0: highs. For other of us, it can bring heartache, right? And then we look around our world and we see sin and sin nature being lived out time and time again. Um, this morning, I had planned to say something just briefly before we start our worship this morning, and that is to remind us of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now. If you've watched the news you get to see what persecution looks like firsthand. Um, The reports come in of believers being killed in the streets for their faith, and yet they live out their faith, day in, day out, regardless of the risk. Um, Because they have a reason to sing. They have a reason to praise. Even amidst trial and suffering and persecution, our God reigns, he's on the throne, right? He's conquered death in the grave, and the same God that they worship he's our God too. He has conquered death, the grave, and hell. He has redeemed us of our sins, so we have a reason to sing this morning. And so without putting too much of a somber light on this morning, I want to encourage us to sing with passion to our God and Savior this morning because he's worthy of our praise. Um, He's worthy of our life, our death, our everything. Jesus Christ is worth it all. And if you believe that morning, I would encourage you to stand and sing with us this morning as we sing about the glorious day when one day Jesus Christ, who not only came to the earth, died for our sins, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, he's coming back and he's coming back for us. And that's a reason to put a smile on our face. If you don't have one right now, put a smile on your face because he's coming. He's coming for you if you know him as your savior. So let us sing this morning, glorious day. Bye. our praise to you this morning because you are God alone. You have redeemed us and we have victory in this life because of you. From our sins, from our our destiny, and apart from you in a place of torment, God. And Lord, because of what you've done for us and not just us but those all across the world who have put their faith and trust in you, God, we, we raise our praise. Lord, we would be um, remiss if we didn't pray for our brothers and sisters under persecution right now. And Lord, though your people suffer across the world for your name's sake, Lord, there is none more prominently spoken of right now than those in Afghanistan. Father, we pray that you would be with them this morning, that you would give them strength and the courage to be faithful, even if you so will it, to the point of death. God, we know that you are honored and glorified um, through their faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that the gospel, the redeeming message of your son, of his love for us, of your love for us, God, that it would change lives across that country and across the globe because of their faithfulness. Lord, we we pray that you would be with us, Lord. May we have a special hunger for your word as we consider the things happening in our world around us. May we be desperate to hear from your Father. And Lord, as a ten of children, may we be willing to do your will. We pray that you be with Pastor Scott in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Today is another day of first. We had one a couple weeks ago and now we have one again today. Today is the first day that Jim Rink gets to spend his eternity in the presence of God. The first, I should not the first day, but the first Sunday he gets to spend worshiping God as we attempt to worship Him here and in, um, in our setting Jim Rink this morning is in Heaven based on a faith in Jesus Christ um, as he walked this earth. Doing the best that he, that he can with what he has and who he is, he gave right back to the Lord. So, we want to say good morning to the church this morning. We are grateful that we are here. And to guests and visitors, thank you for being here. As we think about the, um, how fragile life is <clears throat> um, this morning, we want to give our focus and attention to the Word of God, how it applies to our life. But, you know, as we think of these things, we can't help but be excited at times. It's good, it's healthy, it's right. It's truthful to be excited for the believer, the Christian that has placed their faith in Christ. And they have heaven as their home. It's no longer an ideology, it's a reality. That's good. You can get amen louder than that. We can get excited about that one. But it's also times when we come together as Andrew so well-worded that these are heavy times as we consider faith, faith in Christ, as we consider how we work and operate and function in this world and what that looks like. And we desperately need to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world known as the body of Christ. So, I would like today, if we could, <clears throat> many are watching by Facebook, by the way, somewhere on vacation. I see Brian Reynolds is uh, watching this morning and Peggy Taylor, we're grateful to have those uh, watching by Facebook. But today, we want to do some heavy lifting, but be very applicable at the same time. I really don't want to give a a full message uh, today on what is faith. I'm going to assume the people in this room have a certain knowledge of that word faith, because you live by it every day. Oh, you put faith in someone or something every day. Have you been around Eastgate with all this construction going on? you have taking your life into your own hands. We trust in people. We trust in family, our children. We trust in work. Faith. I'm going to define it. Then I'm going to define God faith. And then we're going to open the Word of God and we're going to have reason to learn. We've got reason to get excited this morning, all right? So, faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of something. That, that's a generic definition of the word faith. It's, it's having confidence in the trustworthiness of something. But, God faith, see, that's what I mean. We use faith every day. We're trusting in the confidence and the trustworthiness of something or someone. But God' faith that the Bible talks about is the confidence in the trustworthiness of God. Do you trust Him today? Many of us can trust Him with our eternity, but we can't trust Him with the day-to-day battles, the day-to-day functioning in life. I want us this morning to consider this. We know what faith is. Let's look at where it is found and where it isn't. So if you're ready to go, I want you, we're going to go to several portions of Scripture today. Some will be put up on the screen. But I want you to watch and really pay attention. Because faith is either going to be revealed or it's being built in your life. Faith is an interesting uh, a concept that nobody talks about, but yet everybody has. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. I'm gonna make a statement here. Some of these statements you, you will have heard before. I wanna talk about faith. Faith in our God, are you ready for this? Is found in the risk. It's found in the wrist this morning. If we knew the outcome of every detail of every endeavor, would that be faith? Well, the rhetorical answer would be no. Would we need faith if we knew the outcome of every detail? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, okay? Now, I'm going to have some participation here. You're going to have to buck up and put your seatbelts on. Because if you don't get uh, activated enough, I'm going to get you activated this morning. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, But without faith, say faith. Faith. Say it with conviction, say faith. faith. Without faith, not just the faith that was defined as trusting in something, but he's talking about God faith here. Without the Faith, it is impossible. Say impossible. Impossible. That means cannot happen. Say it again, impossible. Impossible. Uh, You don't believe it. Without faith, it may be not going to happen. It ain't going to happen, Claremont County people. It's impossible. It's an impossibility to please Him, is what the verse says. Your good looks... Your talents are going to fall short. In fact, they're probably going to get in the way. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he or she who comes to God must believe that He is. So what are we talking about here? God faith. Not just the faith, but the God faith. Who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Just a heads up, something to be cautious about. Be cautious of people, Christians slash believers, that that speak on the details of how God works. Every little detail on how God works. Not not, not the people that speak on theology. And word-based truths, that's what you desire, but details on how God's going to work out every little jot and tittle of your life or situation or of your church life. That's an arrogance a lot of people, a lot of Bible people don't know. We don't know how life's going to turn out. The book of James talks very clearly about that in James chapter four. We do not know how life is going to turn out. There's some things that we do know, however. So last night, um, I went. I had the the blessed moment of being able to go down to Brian and Samantha's house. Um, uh, We were just going to small talk and talk about just current events and things like that. I went down there, but I went down there about eight, and I go to bed at nine. So. That's why I went down there late, so I wouldn't be stuck there too long. <laughs> I ate a drumstick, ice cream, and we actually the conversation turned into things that we can know about life. They had a lot of questions. A lot of, uh, how's this end time thing work? Well, what's what's the Bible saying? How does it? And I shared with them the prophetic timeline. Those are things that are going to happen. You can. We know that these things are going to happen. The next thing that happened in a prophetic timeline is the rapture, where the believers are raptured out. Caught up is the word. Caught up. And while there is, at that time, believers are raptured out, were in heaven to a degree, and then on earth is the seven year tribulation. That's the next thing on the prophetic. So you got two things simultaneously. Those are going to happen for the first three and a half years on this earth. It's going to be somewhat of, of peace. They're going to work it out. But the back three and a half years is, is hell on earth. Things are going to happen that are very deadly. It's going to make what you see right now look very tame. Oh, Pastor, you're just trying to scare us into something. That's what the book says. And by the way, we've seen enough of the Old Testament prophecies come true and anew to put some faith into what it's saying about the future as well. It's going to happen. Not because I say so, I can't stop it. Nobody can stop these things from happening. God says, Thus saith the Lord, then thus saith the Lord. It's, It's like talking to your kids. When you say no, and they go, oh, but why? What part of no, is it the N or the O that you're struggling with? <laughs> God approaches, He says these things are going to happen. And there's more in a prophetic time. We can place faith and trust in our future because of we know how He's worked in the past as well. But the truth is, we do not know how life, we don't know how this day is going to turn out. But God does. So, what are you going to put your faith and trust in? Remember the word faith, just that generic faith definition? Are you going to put it in government? You're going to put it in your culture? You're going to put it in the things that you can see, touch, and feel? Or are you going to do the God faith, the one who holds the rest of the day, the one who holds the next moment? You're going to put your faith in God faith, in the trustworthiness of God who holds these things. At one point, we were at our church history. We, uh, we built this building, and, and you know, the, the, you're already there's a lot of excitement with that. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of things going on. And you know, how big are we going to get? We're going to build buildings. we want to do all these things. Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but God does. Yes. It's his vision, not ours. So true, I... Hang with me here. Hang with me here. Don't capture a vision of what you think the world should look like, what your life should look like, how God's going to work in your life. Don't, don't conjure up your own vision for how God's going to work in your life. God has the vision. Without the vision, the people perish where there's no vision. What does that mean? Without some some ide- some utopian, that's a big word for me, a, a, a utopian ideology? no. God has the vision. It's always about His vision and what He has for His people, for His church. Faith starts at the risk. Faith starts at the risk. The risk of being ridiculed. Risk your your so-called security, your money, your health. Turn with me to the book of James. It's just a uh, a book forward from Hebrews. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, very familiar portion of Scripture. I I, I feel like I turn to this about every couple months it it feels like. But James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. It shows us that we do not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have no idea how today is going to turn out. Let's pick up in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Several things that stand out there for us is it's okay to plan for tomorrow. It's it's okay, but just don't put all your faith in tomorrow. So, and, And also don't just don't plan too far ahead. I met a lawyer once. Um, yeah, I'm a high roller. I hang out with lawyers. And uh, we were talking, and we were talking about wills and things, and he says he didn't have every, all his will all, all ironed out. And I'm like, but you're an attorney. He said, my wife says sometimes you can be too prepared. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, she feels if I get everything all figured out that our life will just be over like that. I'm a pastor of a church. That's not how it works, dude. That's not how it works at all. I didn't say dude because he's a lawyer. But it's interesting how we, we need to plan. Those are important things, but don't put all your faith in tomorrow. Look at verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, guess what? You ain't, you're not going to know what's going to happen today. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Dallas Ferguson. Uh, one of his sayings that rings through my ears all the time, talking about how short life is. He always says, "Don't blink. It's over. It just goes so fast." I'm not counting years anymore. I'm counting decades. That's how you know when, you're like, I'm getting kind of down the road a little bit. Whereas you do not know what will happen, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time that vanishes away. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. You know what that means? He's in control. Say control. That's a short term way of saying he's sovereign. He is in control. We shall live and do this or that. So there's no guarantees. Why not? Why wouldn't you put your life into the hands of the one who has the guarantee? This world offers no guarantees. I'm speaking to the Christian now as well. You say, but I place my faith in Christ. Are you living for Him? We, you may place our faith, our soul in Christ, but we're not, we're not living for Him day to day. Perhaps we're living on our own. We do not know the outcome. Why would you not put your faith in the One who does? In fact, uh, Psalms tells us He knows the days, the number of our days. He knows. Old Testament proofs that didn't know the outcome. This is exciting for me right here. This is exciting when we get to see New Testament principles already lived out in right, right in front of our eyes. Esther. Esther in the Bible is um, it, the book is right before. Job is where Esther is. If you remember the storyline of Esther, is, is, she was in a place she didn't want to be in. she was um, uh, put in a position, and uh, listen to what Esther says, "The faith in God is found in the risk." Watch this. Watch this one line. I'm not, I'm not going to set the whole story up. Esther chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Esther chapter 4, 15 and 16. God had angled her from this position for such a time as this. Esther 4:15 15 and 16. Esther's right before the book of Job. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Mordecai's given her information and he's giving his information back and forth with, with, with the people. Go, uh, go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Fa- By the way, you know what fasting is? People think, yeah, you don't eat or drink or anything. That's not what fasting is. That's a that's a byproduct of what fasting is. Fasting is dedicating your life, your time, your things, your body, your your heart, your mind, your soul to the things of God. That's what fasting is. That's just a byproduct of of the other parts of it. But when he says fasting is intense prayer. Okay, that's what fasting is. So, he says, she says, fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so, I will go to the king, which is against the law. Pause. Let's just pause. Don't read the next two, couple words. Don't read the next two. Remember, the topic is faith is found in the risk let's pray. Let's get prepared. Let's get spiritually prepared. Because she's about ready to go before the king, which is against the law to do. Why was she doing it then? Aren't you supposed to apply to all laws? Comply to all laws? Not when the law goes against the law of God. And watch what happens. She says in, in verse 16, I will go to the king, which is against the law, the, risk is in, the faith is in the risk, and if I perish, I perish. You know what the point is? Esther did not know the outcome. Woo, man. Did not know the outcome. Um, I don't know. Was she nervous? What was her demeanor? Was she, was uh, second thoughts? I mean, that's kind of me. That's perhaps what I would do risk for the cause of God. Think about this. You know the storyline. We won't turn there in Daniel chapter 3, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we, fer- we refer to these three Hebrew children in their slave names for some reason, but here they are. Same scenario where the risk, the faith is in the risk. They were threatened with their life, not only threatened, they were at the door of the execution and they basically say the same thing. Risk for the cause of God. In fact, in verse 18 it says, but if not, if we die, then we're going to be okay with it. That's just a couple of Old Testament proofs. There's more. There's, faith is in the risk. If, you're not, if you don't have anything on the line, are you living by faith? There's New Testament proof, though. Turn with me to Acts chapter 21. I hope you're awake today. I hope you're eager today. I hope you're wanting to have your faith maybe rocked a little bit, rattled a little bit, built a lot. That's the goal, your God faith. Because our times are uncertain, y'all, to say the least. Our times are uncertain. New Testament proofs that didn't know the outcome. We think of Paul, the missionary. In fact, we are in Acts chapter 12 this morning in Faithful Life, and we kind of Peter just kind of uh, this is the last time we hear from Peter until about now, actually. Um, but the focus goes in the book of Acts on the Paul and his ministry to the Gentiles. And we pick it up here in 21, verses 10 through 14. 10 through 14. Listen, this is powerful. This is good. Verse 10, As we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the gentiles. Now when he had heard these things, both we and those from that place pled with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, "Why do you mean what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am not <clears throat> for I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the of the Lord Jesus." So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. In verses 10 through 14, you're going to see something interesting about Paul's faith being in the wrist. He knew the outcome in part. He knew the outcome. Something that stands out is actually in verse 11. But when when he had come to us, he took Agabus, he took Paul's belt, by his own hands and his feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. Wait, who said it? Who's this direction coming from? The Holy Spirit. Both were led by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, so who's right? Who's right? He they're giving him a clear warning, this is what's gonna happen. You saw how Paul ended it by saying, What are you doing? You're breaking my heart here. I don't know if he said it like that, but I went New York a little bit there. But both was led by the Spirit. Who was right? The message from the Holy Spirit wasn't don't go. It wasn't the message. They added that in there. Well-meaning believers added to what the intent of the Holy Spirit was. Do we ever do that? Yeah, we do. But he's saying in verse 11, this is what's going to happen. They're going to bind you. They're going to take you. And they're going to deliver you into the hands of the Gentiles, which is really not just the Gentiles in the point. The point of that is they're going to deliver you into the hands of the enemy, evil. The disciples, the apostles, and believers, they pled with Him, don't go. Where was that coming from? Probably coming from selfishness. At this point in Paul's ministry, he's so focused as to die. Look in verse 13. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He's so focused that he's ready as to die. He senses that it's his time. Listen, Paul could have been a martyr a long time ago. In fact, he almost was several times. He was left for dead. How many times? He talks about this in 1 Corinthians. How many times was he left beaten in all those things? The will of the Lord be done. Look at verse 14. So when he would not be persuaded, we stopped, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. Finally, their will yielded to his will, and the outcome is harmony with what God would have done. It's when our will is not in conjunction with His will that we have problems, that we have friction. Remember, we are focusing on faith, not the risk. Remember the point? Faith comes in the risk, but don't focus on the risk. The focus is still on faith. What if, what if you're just scared? Wasted years, wasted lives. What if you're just, just scared? That's why the word faith comes to mind. Hebrews eleven again. Remember Moses sent out you know, the land of Canaan and all those that 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 time frame in, in the book of, of Numbers fourteen. Moses sent out ten guys to to. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, they spied out the promised land that was promised to them. Two brought back fruit. Ten brought back stories. Israel chose; they wanted the security of Egyptian slavery over what God had for them. They were; they would rather go back to bondage someone else being sovereign over them, over them following the sovereign God. That would have been wasted years wandering in wasted lives. It's not until a risk comes along that you'll discover your faith, reveal your faith, or build your faith. Does that sound familiar? I felt like I was ringing that bell all early in 20, in the spring of 2020. See, like that line right there, that your faith right now is, is, you're going to discover your faith, it's going to be revealed to you, or you're going to build your faith. Faith in our God isn't found also in the outcome. Your faith isn't found in the outcome because we don't know the end results. All right, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of John the Baptist. You know that name. He was beheaded for calling out Herod in an adulterous relationship. It was a very adulterous relationship. Jesus didn't criticize him, but Jesus praised him. And John was beheaded. If our faith is determined by the outcome, then John lost. Your faith isn't determined by the outcome. Your faith is determined by the sovereign God. Do what's right because it's right. Faith is the object, not your self-denial. Let's do God's thing and God's strength and God's timing. I'm going to have you do a pretty cool exercise right here. I want you to take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, and bookmark it. Those of you that are going through your, like your phones or whatever, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Because I want you to have 2 Corinthians chapter 5 ready to go. Now you got that? You got it bookmarked? Now I want you to go to Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, 11. Andrew, if you can, back at the board, I want you to try to keep up for those that maybe can't do this or don't have nimble fingers. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. I think back in my life, as you turn into 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and Isaiah 55:11. When I look back in my own personal life, a little bit of a testimony is I can look back and see all the times that God has been preparing me. I unbeknownst to me, place your faith in Christ, and He's always up to something. I didn't know it. I can't see it. I didn't understand it, but I can look back. Boy, I sure can see those mile markers now. Here's the part of the Bible that I love. He tells us our thing. This is your thing. And then in Isaiah we're going to see God's thing. Our thing is 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9. Here it is. This is your thing. This is what you are to do to be doing, believer. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. That's your thing. Every day, every moment, Lord, let me see through your lens. Let me be well pleasing to you. You get glory, you get honor. That's the goal. It's not about me. That's your thing. Now, Isaiah 55:11. Let's look at God's thing. What is God's thing? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Did you see what just happened right here? Our thing is to be well-pleasing to him. How are we well-pleasing to him when we're living out his word? This isn't complicated. Live out his word, be in it, learn who he is, walk with him, and we live it out. It's in our words, it's in our demeanor, it's in our kindness, it's in our the fruit of the spirit that is being lived out. It, to be well-pleasing to Him when we're getting squeezed. That's our only goal, is to be well-pleasing to Him. And when we're living out that Word, what does Isaiah 55, 11 say? What's God doing with that Word? As it goes forth, it shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God may be using you. You are a mechanism A a vehicle to move His Word around. Ooh, that's good. You are a mechanism to move His Word in your demeanor, in your words, in your actions. And He will take it and use it. You may be here and be thinking, you know, if we're going to be honest, Pastor Scott, I, I just don't trust God that much. You know what I'd say to that? thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your honesty. Uh, Then, the next thing I'd say is that's a problem. That's a problem. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, we were there when we first started, and I had you repeat after me certain words. Why is that a problem? I just don't trust God. But you still love me, right? Oh, I love you. I just don't trust Him enough. Thank you for your honesty, but that is a problem. Why is it a problem? Because Hebrews 11.6 uh, says, But without faith, say faith, faith. it is impossible, say impossible, impossible, to please Him. You see what I just did there? In the time that we opened God's Word, we just went the full circle. It's a problem. Trust and obey. As your faith grows, you'll have enough history to know the future. Not in detail. As your faith grows, I'm trusting you right now, and as that faith grows, you're going to know that here's, here's your future. I can trust Him in the future too. I can trust Him when things crash all around me. I can trust Him when the whole world is upended. As your faith grows, you'll have enough history to know the future. Today we're going to conclude the preaching of the word and even our service for that much, really, without an invitation on purpose. We chose that. We don't want an invitation to be a time of uh, sometimes we want it's really an open prayer time. Other times we make it a time of come and, and, and really talk with people. It's there. nobody's doing that, hardly anymore. But we don't want it to become just something we do. God's way bigger than us just doing something because it's habitual. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of Tuesday at the celebration of life for Jim Rink. But you know, we've had several heroes of our church as of late. Chuck Eckert passed away and the very following Sunday, Charisse was here. Jim Rink passed away on Thursday, and the very following Sunday, Amy Rink is here. Those are champions. We have before us the world's greatest object lesson on Tuesday, it's life. How short it is, what we can learn, what we see, Do you have confidence in the trustworthiness of God? There's a saving faith that we talk about quite often. Jim Rink had saving faith. Well, how do you know, Pastor? I saw the fruit of it. I saw the fruit that the Bible talks about of it. There's also a living faith, a walking faith, where we trust Him each and every day. Not waiting for someday, but we're living today. My goal for you on Facebook, my goal for you at Cross Point Baptist Church as a member or a guest or visitor are you living, trusting in the trustworthiness of our God, more specifically, Jesus Christ? That beautiful, beautiful, how can I say this? Death. Death is gruesome, it's, 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 it's ugly, it's horrid. By dying, he paid for sin. He was buried. And three days later, Resurrection, we call it Resurrection Sunday, when He rose, He gave us life. Life now and life ever after. And it takes faith to come to Him. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, even though we're not having a formal invitation this morning... We're asking you to bless our time together, the reading of your word, the time, the conversations that we've had prior, the conversations we're going to have here as we're we're leaving the building. But as this church leaves the building, may we be reminded that it isn't over. You're doing a work. You're doing a work. Continue to use this church to accomplish your will and your means. Move, prod, convict for people to minister in, in most effective ways or maybe even more and to give discernment to how we accomplish these things known as the New Testament church. And as we plan forward and make plans I pray that you're honored in all we say and do and that those that are listening would reach out to the LifePoint Bible study group leader for encouragement, for prayer, discussion, or study. I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brad is going to come and dismiss us in some announcements as well. And I want to um, remind you... um, well, Brad's going to be announcing the picnic next week, but I want to remind you that um, be in prayer for Debbie Wheeler. Brad is carrying a lot of the weight of um, taking caring for his mom, and um, he's. But he's always at his post. So be in prayer for Debbie Wheeler and and for Brad as well, Brad.
2: Just a few things to announce. Um, as Pastor mentioned, if you have any questions about the funeral on Tuesday, be sure to ask one of the pastors or myself. We'll fill you in on those things. Wednesday, we have two things going on. First, uh, the New Life group will have the, the back-to-school bash at 630. And right here in the sanctuary, uh, we'll be having an Iwana leaders meeting to talk about the upcoming Awana year, uh, really to talk about some of the logistics since we did things differently last year. We just want to make sure that we have everything Um, shored up and ready to go for wanted to kick off, which is uh, with family nights on Wednesday, September the 1st. And then as Pastor mentioned, um, we have a a church-wide picnic at four o'clock. So next Sunday, we'll have service in the morning. And then at four o'clock, we have a picnic at the Prim's house. If you have any questions about directions or anything, be sure to ask either Lori or Dan. Uh, Before the picnic, be sure to bring uh, chairs for yourselves, for your family either a side dish or dessert, and then whatever soft drinks or water, whatever you would like. So if you have any questions about the picnic, again, ask one of the, the pastors or Dan. Uh, he's running around, uh, and he'll be able to answer any questions that you have. So with that, you are dismissed.